0: Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Doug show. My name is Doug Cunnington. And in this episode, I talked to Bo and this is his second appearance. He was on the show over the summer, I think in late July, maybe early August here in 2020. And when he was on before, I think his site was earning about 3000 per month. But by the end of the month, I think in August, he Hit over six thousand. It dropped a little in September, and we have some dramatic stuff going on with Bo, so he breaks it down, but a couple of the highlights are his earnings have dipped down to about three thousand per month, but of course that's that's much much lower than he was hoping. and he went through an Amazon audit, so he sent me an email in mid October. And basically said, oh, man, I got the email. They're going over my account. And we talk about that as well. Good news, he didn't make it through. So the other thing I'll mention is when I'm about to crack open a beer here, it's one of these afternoon sessions of uh, work. So Bo started a YouTube channel. And I'll put a link out there for you. He has a few videos at the time that I'm recording this. And you know, kudos to him for putting himself out there. As a avid YouTuber myself, I know it takes a lot. It takes a lot of effort. So check out his channel, give him some love out there, and let's get to the interview now. Bo, how's it going today?
1: Hey, aloha again. Good to see you, Doug.
0: Yeah, it's good catching up, and so much has been going on. I know personally, we were talking before, and you, you have some uh, extra activities that are distracting. You want to share any of that with us before we get into the meaty stuff here?
1: Sure, yeah. Just a lot, lot going on in life. Trying to buy a house uh, here in Hawaii, which is insane. <laughs> Actually got an escrow in a house and fell out of escrow. There was about our, our the, the inspector, the inspection came back with over 100 issues, including like um, electrocution hazards, <laughs> and that kind of thing. So, uh, super stressful. Haven't been able to put as much time into my my niche sites as, as I'd like. Um, but yeah, that's going on. The the decline of the income. Um, some other personal stuff.
0: Good luck with the house search. I know we were going through that not too long ago, and similar stuff where there's uh, such a demand for homes, and it's it's tough to even get an offer in without. Um, you know, huge competition and maybe having to go way over the asking price. So good luck there. Now, with our last interview, things were, like I said, on this great trajectory and kind of take us through what went on, say, the next month or so after we did the interview. So this is like maybe the August, September time frame, roughly.
1: Sure. So I think in the last interview, then the numbers that we referenced were July's numbers. And I think that was about 3,100 was the income in July. Uh, total from the niche sites. In August, it went up to 6,400. So it just went gangbusters. July was about 25,000 page views. In August, I was up to 50,000 page views. So it went just bonkers. That said, it's kind of the, the niche that I'm in. That's the high season is August, September, July. That's the kind of high season. Um, but it's since then, it's 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 dropped consistently every month. <laughs> which has kind of sucked, but it's kind of expected too, just because of the seasonality. September was about $5,000, and then October was about $3,000. So you see it's kind of ticking downward. Um, And then the page views was down all the way in in October to 18,000 page views. So more than 50% drop in page views from August to October.
0: And you mentioned there's a pretty good amount of seasonality in that August time frame. Really seem to make it take off. Now, have you done other analysis where you're maybe taking a look at competitors' websites and seasonality on those using tools like hrefs or maybe even like Google Trends to see what you might expect going through the rest of the year?
1: Uh, no, <laughs> I should though. <laughs> that's, that's all great advice. Like I said, I think in our last interview, I have used hrefs just for competitor research and kind of hacking or looking at their keywords and trying to target the same kind of keywords. But that's kind of the, as far as I've gone with, with the keyword tools.
0: Okay. And I mean, it may inform you to make some decisions, but it's not necessarily going to like give you the answer or solve the problems or anything like that. So I guess the other thing is, was there a certain thing that you think led to the decline in traffic or is this merely the seasonality of your niche?
1: You know, Like I think I said in our, in our pre-interview, it's kind of this causation or correlation kind of thing. It's like I, I just really can't – I really don't know. It's it's one or a combination of a bunch of factors, one being the seasonality. That's kind of the most obvious. The other being that I I installed a new template on the site and uh, launched that last month, but the site was already kind of declining quite a bit at that point. In um, the template, I was trying to prevent – so Google PageSpeed Insights <laughs> – my site, before I updated the template, was like an eight on desktop and like an 18 on mobile. So now it's like 80 and 30, so it's, it's quite a lot better in terms of the Google page speed.
0: You kept using the word template. Do you mean a WordPress theme or are you using a different CMS or something?
1: Yeah, theme, sorry, theme. Theme, yeah. okay. I, I, yeah, sorry. Okay,
0: and which, I'm just curious, um, which theme were you using before and what did you move to?
1: Uh, the theme I was using before was called Coupon Hut. It was a very unique theme that I got off of um, Envato, or uh, Theme Forest, I think is the site. Uh, this new theme I'm using is Bimber, which was recommended by um, John Dykstrom. He uses it on a lot of his affiliate sites. so.
0: Okay, so it's it's pretty lean, it loads fast, and seems to have solved the problem with the page speed stuff, but okay, so no no avail. Traffic was already dropping. Um, you fixed up the page speed, it seems like. So, okay, what next?
1: Yeah, so uh, now it's just a matter of, well, one of the other things is is another thing that it could be or, or could be contributing to it is, a huge amount of the traffic, I would say over 50%, was from one keyword or one cluster of keywords around a specific product, a uh, best blah 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 product, right? That product is very popular in um, education buying season, so when people are buying for uh, schools or educational settings, so i just give my niche away, it's in the education space, that's fine. It's not so popular between when, when students are in class. and um, and it's also seen, because of COVID, it's seen a lot more competition. Um, it used to be very much like a KGR term. Um, I actually found it, I think we mentioned in the last interview, with the KGR method. Um, and it became a huge keyword, thousands of clicks per month. And that's kind of, it's becoming a less and less percentage of the overall traffic. It's okay. such a great keyword too, because uh, it's a buyer keyword. It's a product in the 300 to $500 range. So um that was that was a big contributor to the income and the traffic was that one keyword which is risky and uh you know I'm learning that kind of the hard way.
0: <laughs> right. Well, did you look and I'm curious about the ranking. So it sounds like the rankings have dropped due to more competitors in the that same keyword area.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, this is one thing I really need to get more diligent about It's just kind of my like rank ranking tracking um you know I'd, Wonder, I would be curious what, what your method is in terms of kind of tracking rankings. But for me, it's just, yeah, so it used to be like top five. Now it's top ten uh, in most of the, in the keywords.
0: Got it. Yeah, that'll do it. I got. I mean, when you drop in rankings, then you, you're definitely going to get less traffic. So for me, there's a bunch of tools that are usually paid, but you can just enter in your list of – 100 or 500 or however many keywords you want to track, usually those are sort of the main keywords that you've written content about. Of course, you're gonna rank for other related long tail keywords all over the place, but usually if you just track those main keywords, you'll have a pretty good idea of what's going on, and then you know the usual suspects of the search console so you can see the number of impressions you can see the number of clicks you can see your average position over a given interval of time whatever you select there and you could actually compare from a specific uh interval of time to the previous period or even the previous year if you want to remove seasonality so of course in the search console that's totally free it's a pretty easy uh filter and and mechanism to set up and then you can even export that data pull into a csv and then you can filter and tease out like exactly what data you want to look for including maybe ranking for long tail keywords that you weren't tracking and see what dropped over the last three months or six months or whatever so it's all right there you could just pull the data you can get a lot of this from other tools but it, it almost doesn't matter where you're getting it, I, I think the sort of recency in the Search Console may be better than in tools like hrefs, where the interface may be a little easier to work with.
1: But you know, right. it's one one option. So it's one of those things. I know you say you say a lot. It's kind of tool agnostic, right? It's just you should just be using something, right? That's tracking and right. right.
0: Right. So in the good part is if you were using the search console, you do have historical data in there, even if you weren't monitoring it through one of the paid tools out there that, you know, may cost a few dollars per month. So, so that's a good option there. All right. So rankings dropped a little bit and have you, you've been busy. So you may not have been able to even, you know, take any action on you doing anything, but yeah. Have you done anything?
1: Yeah, so I've been pretty busy just with installing the new theme, not template theme. has been uh, It's been a lot in terms of making the sites uh, or making the pages, I should say, consistent. So a lot of the time I've spent over the last few months has been just trying to uh, make everything consistent. And one of the things I would I would recommend to your audience, especially when you're thinking about maybe selling your site in the future, is having bought a site. It's it's a lot. I think would be a lot more sellable if if all the pages are consistent. and I speak in particular like of like you use your Amazon links for example. So I use um, AAWP now, which I just love. Um, I know some people like Amalinks Links Pro. I tried both of them, but I, I prefer the AAWP um, personally. Yeah. So changing all my links out from the uh, what do they call the what do they call it? like the site stripe the Amazon site stripe thing that you can just grab the link off of and so I replacing all of those links with uh, AAWP AWP links so that if you know, somebody were to buy the site in the future, they would just have to change their, their username It'd be a lot easier or vice versa. If I just wanted to change the, the, uh, the username, that kind of thing I could do that. More right. And that would be the
0: tracking ID is the sort of vocabulary inside right. the site stripe. So the tracking ID, and it sounds like maybe you were using the short links, from exactly. the site, right? Okay. And yep, I highly encourage people to not use the short links because it makes it much more difficult to change anything. You have to do it manually and that takes forever. So it takes a really long time, but if you use the longer form, and by the way, you don't have to use uh, a AWP again, tool agnostic. I really don't care what people use. There's a specific format for the links and all you need to do is put in the ASIN, which is the unique identifier plus your tracking ID. And then you have that affiliate link. Like it's just a regular format. That's what all the tools do. They just use that format by the way. So of course, AAWP, Amalinks pro lasso, they make it really easy to insert your affiliate links and to change your affiliate links across the whole site in just one configuration area.
1: So yeah, and the other the other thing too is, and just in terms of um, consistency and, and make sure everything's up to date. Is I started using this tool called Site Buddy. I don't know if you've seen that. Basically, it scans the site for for broken links, uh, or uh, expired products, out of stock products, that kind of thing. So you can look at the products pages that have those expired products and update them. So um, it's really easy to get, uh, like I say, distracted by the tools. Uh, you know it's one of those things like I think we talked about this in the last interview it's like you go down these rabbit holes and, and then you don't end up actually producing any new content like I don't think the word count on my sites has gone up more than maybe 20,000 words in the last three months but I've done a lot <laughs> done so much but,
0: yeah and I have not used Site Buddy. the owners contacted me to check it out but I'm too I'm like I don't want to learn another thing like I'll check it out and I need to Look at it. You're the second person that I know that's used it, and they they love it. They really enjoy the functionality. For me, I, I use Genius Link, and Genius Link basically does that for you. Also, Lasso, I think, does it as well. So I try to use many of the different tools, but I haven't had time to dig into Site Buddy. But I've heard good things. Um, it sounds like people are able to quickly get data about their site in a way that they're not really able to pull out in any other way.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's really easy. It's just, they, they give you a, a spreadsheet and you can just go through the spreadsheet. You can, you can sort, obviously sort the spreadsheet. It's a CSV, however you want, sort it by page or by expired product products. So super gotcha. useful.
0: So you've done a few things, some improvements, and and just a refresher here, um, how much content is on the site, just to give people who haven't watched or listened to the first interview yet, how much content do you have out there?
1: Sure, I think I'm up to about 175 posts, somewhere in that area, about 170,000 words, something like that.
0: Okay, and then how many backlinks do you have? Have you done much link building? What's the situation there?
1: Yeah. So link building has been pretty, pretty minimal. Links itself, there's probably I think about 50 quality links to the site. Yeah, haven't been too, definitely not active. Or, yeah.
0: where, where did those links come from? Uh, 50 is a pretty, pretty good number. I mean, if you were to go and outsource that, that's thousands of dollars.
1: Well, we kind of talked a little bit about it in the last interview. Some of it's been just natural, fortunately. You know, some of the pages, like, I got a link from parade.com, just naturally, um, which is like a 70 ER. 70, uh, Other than that, it's been, yeah, some a lot of natural. And then some kind of guest posting that wasn't really intentional. So I, I'm in some, like, Facebook groups where I uh, saw some people posting, hey, we need some articles. We want to do a guest article. So I've done, like three or four of those, um, and then, yeah, other than that, and then again, the site used to be, um, I'll just give it out because I told the theme, it's coupon hunt, so it used to have coupons on the site, and coupons, the way they, they aggregated or the metadata, I'm not sure the, the technical side behind it, um, the way that it got pushed out uh, generated a lot of links, most of them were spammy links, um and this might be another contributor to why the site might have declined so much is because I lost all those spammy links just in one fell swoop when I updated the theme. Um, unfortunately the site is uh, just going back to the traffic though the site is on an upward trend. I'm looking at my Amazon associates today the I've had ten different product ten different types of products being sold or getting commissions from so it's like ten at least ten different pages that I'm generating commissions from, which is which is, I feel optimistic about kind of the trajectory of the site. So,
0: Nice. Okay. And before we move on, I'm just curious, do you have any plans to add more content to the site? You mentioned you probably haven't added too much in the last few months. You've been super busy. So what, what's the outlook for the content coming up soon?
1: Absolutely. So um, I've been meaning to do for the last few months, been meaning to do just a uh, consistent content push. I really want to get to where I'm, posting at least 50,000 words of content every month. Uh, you know, I, again, I see this as being very scalable. So, you know, again, if you're making X amount from 100,000 words, you should be able to make 10 times that if you have a million words, that kind of thing. So that's kind of where I'm going. Um, and I'm, I'm looking into content services. Uh, again, I think, uh, you know, I saw a content service that's two cents a word and it comes really highly recommended. I forget the name of it, but I was gonna kind of look into that, review that. And then kind of document the journey, too, as as I kind of navigate that as well.
0: Moving on to the audit, I got an email from you a few weeks ago, (laughs) and it said to the effect, hey, your account is at risk, and basically Amazon Associates does what seemed to be random checks uh, very sparsely, and you got one of those emails. So how'd it go? Did everything turn out okay, and can you talk about the process that you went through
1: sure yeah so that was that was definitely an oh shit oh shit oh shit moment <laughs> uh, yeah i got it at like 10 o'clock that one one night and i didn't really sleep that night because you know obviously this is a huge part of my income so yeah i was basically you get this email and cap letters that says something like action required your amazon associates account is at risk they gave me a few hints as to what it might be but the Amazon Associates, when you get an audit like that, it's super infamous for being really vague. <laughs> like, they don't tell you anything, really. they have to say shit. Um, so you have to kind of figure it out. You have to look at their operating agreement, their program policies. And that's kind of what I did over the next few days. I uh, was super thorough about it. Um, tried tried to really understand the operating agreement program policies and how they might apply to my sites. And then uh, and then I, I went through that and it was very, um, very detailed on how I replied to the audit with I sent them three different emails about it. Um, and just went page by page. And again, this is another reason why I haven't been able to push out a lot of content. It's just kind of going through that.
0: Yeah. And you only have five days to reply back, correct? Five business days. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And by the way, everyone, I went through the same process. So I, Put together a set of templates and basically share exactly what I did. You can literally use the same format. And Bo, did you use my stuff or did did you not? You
1: know, you had mentioned that, but I think I was already pretty much I had already emailed them a couple times by the time I saw your recommendation to do that. It would I would have saved me a lot of work. Obviously. Honestly. Yeah, I wish I had yeah. So
0: Anyway, it does save a lot of time and I successfully made it through, so at least it's the right stuff. Now, you mentioned that you thought they gave you a little bit of a hint on what the issue was. I didn't feel like that at all in the email that I got. So, can you share like what made you think that they were giving you a bit of a hint?
1: Sure. So, I can send you I can send you an email and give you like the screenshot if you want. You can you can put that up on the interview if you want. But it said something to the tune of, um, it gave the specific clause in the operating agreement and it said like, misre- misrepresenting the Amazon, or if it, Amazon Associates program by you know expressing that there's some kind of exclusive sponsorship or blah, 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 right? I took that and I kind of, and they actually sent two URLs on two of my sites. So I have a main site and, and I knew I was at risk of the audit because of one of the site that I had purchased. I think I mentioned in the last interview was just a shit show. <laughs> it had just so many violations on the site that if I probably wouldn't have bought the site, if I was aware of that, but I got the email at like nine in the morning and bought the site at like nine Oh five AM. Cause I was like, I got to scoop up this $2,000 website before somebody else does. Um, so part of it was just a lot of the, the content on that other site that opened me up to the audit, but there were issues on both that site and my my main site, kind of what we've been talking about. Got it. Added,
0: and they they sent you specific URLs. You said
1: that, right? They sent me two specific URLs. Um, just they said they qualified it by saying these are examples of what you know where the violations might be. But I ended Got up cleaning it. up. Well, I added the. Um, so like week two weeks ago, they came out with that email about the FTC and how you have to have that very prominent, as an Amazon associate I earn from qualifying purchases, like everywhere. So I added that to the top right of my sidebar on every page, obviously just as a widget in WordPress, so that wasn't that hard. Um, But then otherwise I updated probably 20 other pages kind of manually, just in terms of cleaning up things like, you know, things, one of the big no-no's is you can't have specific price ranges. So this is something that the site that I purchased had, I knew that this was a violation, but I wasn't as diligent about cleaning up the site that I purchased. Um, you can't have specific price ranges like this is between eighty and hundred dollars, or this is under a hundred dollars on Amazon, or even they really don't like to see um, even though it's a really good keyword, they don't like to see things like cheap, blah blah blah, like cheap mechanical pencils, because it might not be cheap a week from now; it might be expensive. and Cheap is and you know or under mechanical pencils under five dollars, right? Uh, because it might be six dollars tomorrow, right? so that changes. So you can't can't give specific prices. If you are doing prices, you have to use the API. This is another thing that kind of, again, I would uh, behooves behooves me, behooves anybody uh, doing Amazon Associate Sites, I think, is use the API because it updates all that stuff automatically. You don't have to worry about the kind of
0: stuff. The plugins out there use the API. So you don't have to be a programmer or developer. You don't use the API directly. You just need to use a plugin or a tool that does use the API, and then you're in good shape. So, a lot of P- it's probably trivial to program if you're a WordPress developer, but most of us are not. So, quick note: so you said that you put the disclaimer in the top of your sidebar. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. And w- that was for the audit, and they were satisfied with that.
1: Yeah. Well, that was one of the one of the changes I made to both, both the sites kind of in question now. Okay, and I, I
0: usually, you know, like you mentioned, Amazon came out recently with more guidelines to fit sort of the FTC guidelines on disclosure for this stuff. And it's a little more specific. There's people that have, you know, people have put out content where they're giving you some guidelines on and I haven't done anything yet, but for the last couple years, I have been putting at the top, and like you said, I I try to put it at the top of the content, not in the sidebar, because unfortunately, the sidebar gets pushed to the bottom on a mobile device, so a person may not see it. So I always put it at the top of the content, so there's no mistake. They see it before they even get to the content, and I use the verbiage that you mentioned where it's like, I'm an associate, and I can earn a, a commission some people don't know what affiliate is. So you have to be so specific and you know, the FTC guidelines have been that way for a few years. So, okay, cool.
1: Yeah. And I do that too, uh, especially on my main site. So I was like really like uh, really worried about it. So I, I, on my main site, I have it on the sidebar. I have it in a, in a short coded, like highlighted box where I have kind of the, the disclaimer, as well as I also put in my, like my image credit in there as well. Just kind of cover two bases there, and then I also have it in the footer and a footer widget as well. So um, it's all over. You know, people I, see you it. Know, I really err on the side of caution.
0: <laughs> after you replied back, how long did it take to get a reply back from
1: Amazon? Um, they never really replied. They, I saw the the warning of death get removed from the Amazon Associates account. It's was just like, okay, cool, that's good. And then like two days after they removed it, I got an email. Very, again, very general, very vague. Thank you for, for it didn't even say like thank you for addressing these issues or anything, it was like just thank you for, thank you basically. <laughs> I don't remember, but it was like, okay,
0: thanks. <laughs> that sounds right, that's exactly what I got. It was, mine was about two weeks, I didn't hear anything for two weeks, and I eventually I got the email, thanks, we completed the audit, basically. And yeah. after that, everything was fine. So it's really great that you were given a couple of URLs as an example. I don't know if that's super common, but it probably made it a lot easier to at least address the issues and know like where they were. So,
1: yeah, yeah. And i I probably took off some content that probably was compliant. Like I probably I trimmed off probably five five six pages that I could have kept, but again, erring on the side of caution. And, you know, again, this is part of my livelihood. So. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, yeah. And you, you recently launched a YouTube channel, and I know one of the videos you have is about this audit, so people could check that out, but why don't you tell us a little about the YouTube channel and why you decided to start it?
1: Sure. Um, it's something, so I, yeah, I started a YouTube channel. Um, as of the time of this interview, I have, I think, four videos and like nine subscribers. So, you know, <laughs> lots, of, uh, lots going on there. But um, yeah, something I've been kind of thinking about for a long time, you know, seeing people like yourself and WP Eagle and, you know, Carl, Amelia, all you know, all these people kind of in the space that are, and I saw, you know, there's some things I have to contribute just in terms of my own experience with niche sites and also kind of where I live. So I was going to share Hawaii and share kind of my unique perspective and, my my big hobby is bodyboarding, surfing in the ocean. Um, so I felt I could kind of combine all of those into some kind of YouTube channel. So that's yeah. Awesome. It's exciting.
0: I know um there's a lot of different directions you can go in it with yep. uh like really focusing heavy on, on the marketing part or even on the vlogging part or like the travel aspect and stuff like that. So where do you have like an area that you're gonna lean or you just kind of kind of cover everything and see what's working out for you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things, you know, obviously it's a work in progress, you know, again, someone that someone like me who's super ADD, um, it's, it's hard to focus on just really anything. So really what (laughs) what I'm trying to do with the YouTube channel is to use it as a, as a, as a tool to help me focus and kind of help this all be synergistic. So I kind of want to document my journey with niche sites and that's pretty much of where i'm going to go and then i can do that from anywhere from hawaii as so, i you know the video i did on on the amazon audit as i was walking and doing a hike on a trail on a beautiful trails so um, just it's also kind of a catalyst to help me get out get out more you know <laughs> in covid times it's important just to get outside and not drive yourself crazy so you know i felt if i'm doing a, a youtube channel from hawaii i have to share hawaii right so that's that's part of it so
0: Awesome. Well, everyone, check out uh, Bo's channel over there. We'll get links to the specific video and the channel in general. So, anything else going on with the site that you're, you know, looking forward to that I forgot to ask you about?
1: No, it's just like I said, it's it's the the big content push is kind of where I'm where I'm going with this, and then trying to. And I think I said this in the last interview, and I didn't get to it. And that's just scaling kind of myself and, and taking a more kind of. The role of a project manager and a boss, rather than the person doing all of the work. So, uh, getting that content service is going to be big for me. That, which is a good content, um, or and or hiring more writers, getting more content, and then also getting a WordPress content manager, for someone to actually post the content. Um, those are my big goals. So, before the end of the year, and then again, kind of document it all on, on YouTube. So.
0: Very cool. And I'll tell you that one of the good things with a YouTube channel or a blog or anything where you're documenting, even if it doesn't work out, you have a story to tell. So, I mean, we want it to work out, but, you know, even if the traffic goes down or like you run into some issues with a writer or whatever, you can share that story and let people know that it happens to everyone. So. Very cool. Well, thanks, Bo. Really appreciate it. And looking forward to getting an update from you before
1: too long. Awesome, Doug. Appreciate your time, man. It's been fun.
0: (laughs) Thanks again to Bo, and I'm looking forward to getting more updates from him in the future. He's doing some cool stuff out there. And again, do check out his YouTube channel. It takes so much effort to put out videos and to put yourself out there, especially early on. And I'm going to ramble on here for a second. It's It's a niche idea so people can see, people can hear. There's a lot of different areas that you can go into. I was back in Atlanta visiting family not too long ago, and I recalled that, I had uh, an old point-and-shoot camera, a 35 millimeter, that I gave, gave to my dad when he retired. He didn't have a camera, so I thought, hey, this is a pretty nice one. I enjoy using it, but I don't use it much anymore. It was uh, an Olympus Epic Infinity, which was a pretty nice camera at the time that I got it probably in 2000, maybe 99 or 2000, something like that so it 's a relatively old camera, and I gave it to him probably in two thousand and five, something like that. He used it some, and there was actually still film in the camera when I uh, you know found it in a tucked away area. There was still film in the camera and a battery. The battery still worked fine. I think it has like three bars it shows a full charge. it must be one of those uh, lithium type batteries that has really long shelf life anyway. I found it and I found some other film that has not been used. So I thought, oh, you know what? I'm going to drag this out and, you know, check it out. My dad doesn't use it anymore and it's just been sitting around. So I looked up the camera because I, I knew that it sort of had a, a bit of a cult following when I got the camera back in the day, but now it has even more of a following. So I went and checked some prices they're going for somewhere between three and four hundred dollars at this point in time, so they they don't make them anymore and they were popular when they were out and they're good cameras they're very small and actually, I just went on a walk and I just felt my pocket I walked around with it in my pocket it's literally like the size of a cell phone, something like that, so pretty small takes great pictures and I think it's an interesting niche out there, just older antique cameras. Now, this isn't necessarily an antique depending on your definition, but if you go look around, watch some YouTube channels like I do on photography, there's a whole subset of people that are very interested in these old lenses and old cameras. So if you look back at some of the manual 35 millimeter cameras, the lenses are fantastic, but they're, you know, they they don't work on the modern cameras So well, you have to have adapters. If you are into autofocus or you're taking, you know, video where you need autofocus to work, such as a vlog or something like that, you may not want a manual focus lens. It may not work that well, but the point is I found and started seeing a bunch of videos and creators that are doing content. They're creating content around antique and old cameras. So it seemed like you probably wouldn't be able to build a big audience that way. Talking about old stuff that isn't made anymore, especially when there's newer cameras coming out every month, every week. There's there's more lenses, more electronics, more cameras, but it's pretty crazy. It totally surprised me. And then when I saw the price of these, uh, these small Olympus Epic infinity cameras with a 35 millimeter 2.8 lens, they are pretty sought after. So I'm glad I found it. And I've been snapping some pictures. There's a camera shop down in Boulder called Mike's camera that, develops film. So I'll probably take down a few rolls before too long and see what I come up with. Anyway, the point is you can find some weird niches out there and it's always good to aim for something that you're interested in, something that you'd be looking up and, and trying to, uh, you know, absorb information around anyway. Like, like I said, I'm into cameras and I have been for years and I even had this old camera that I realized is now worth a lot more than, whatever I paid for years ago. I mean, if you put in inflation, you know, maybe it's where it should be. But the fact is, the price went up. And some of the other cameras of that vintage are almost worthless. I mean, you, you would pay $10 or less at a thrift store or garage sale or something like that. All right, I'll leave it at that. I'm not going to keep rambling on here. So have a great day out there. We'll catch you on the next episode.